Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. I am so just drained after that last that last chapter, that last episode, like a 40-minute diatribe on Lieutenant or Detective Colvin and, and the word bro and just how everybody he talked to magically just wanted to open up to him, even though he's walking through some woman's house who... Um, like, dude, do you even, do you work here? Walking through the house of a victim, like, she isn't a victim. Like, come on now. 916-633-1537, ratchet and ratchet at gmail.com, uh, ratchet book club on Twitter, uh, patreon.com slash single simulcast. I mean, golly, and they just brought up so much stuff from that chapter that's never been mentioned anywhere else in the book, which or anywhere else in the in the series, which I guess, okay, maybe you just thought of it, but that's not how this should work, right? Like, there should have been some sort of idea that this was going on or that, and 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 why is Vernita so? bad at hiding whatever it is she's hiding like what the fuck is up with the laptop with the blood on it like where'd that come from is that gonna relate back to clarence are you trying to tell me that she's had a laptop with clarence's blood on it that she just put in her basement like how stupid could you be how we go from this woman just loving sex to being a horrible murderer that don't make no sense i don't like it chapter 14 Vernita. I pop my fingers as I scream the lyrics of that song. Baby, this tune was my jam. I love me some Kia. Her ratchet snaggle tooth ass. Baby girl sure needed some dental work, but she knew she could make her some nasty music. I had to get the hell up out that hotel and get back to my old new self. I'd be damned if I was going to let all these crazy hallucinations drive me to insanity. So on that note, I was making my way through downtown to go check out a bar or a tavern so I can get my motherfucking drink on and hopefully procure me some dick. And honestly, at this point, Vernita was willing to let a white boy get a feel for these here sugar walls. It was almost 5pm and that meant pretty soon a bunch of good looking white men was going to be flooding all the bars and taverns for happy hour. Honestly, I was also tired of dealing with niggas. I mean, don't get me wrong, I loves my black men. But sometimes I just didn't want to have to deal with all the drama and downright fucking bullshit these niggas made you go through. Sometimes the dick just wasn't worth it. Especially considering everything I went through with Percy. 
But right now, I just wanted to go to a bar, drink some bourbon, meet me a fine-ass white man like Tom Cruise, and get my fat, juicy pussy sucked and fucked on. Although it was a tad chilly today, I had the drop top pulled back as I glided down the street. Light gusts blew through my hair. The streets were crowded with all sorts of people who looked like they were in a rush to make it to the train or bus. The sound of taxi cabs honking their horns filled the air. I usually hated driving through downtown, but I was just so relieved to know I wasn't hearing any of these crazy voices, let alone see these crazy apparitions. The devil was surely a lie, and I'd be damned if I was going to let him get the best of me. Although I knew what I was about to engage in some sin for the evening, what? And although I knew what I was about to engage in some sin for the evening, I didn't know how to fix that. Although I knew that I was about to, I think that was supposed to be that, not what. Okay, cool. Although I knew that I was about to engage in some sin for the evening, God knew my heart and he knew I was a faithful child of his. I had to do what I had to do to make myself feel whole again. I had no idea what bar I was going to go to. So as I slowly drove down Michigan Avenue, I turned off a random street and found the closest parking garage. That was something else I absolutely hated about driving in downtown. Parking was so expensive. I pulled up to the gate and lo and motherfucking behold, some young, muscular, light-skinned nigga with tattoos running all up and down his neck and arms hopped out of a booth then walked up to the driver's side window. Good afternoon, ma'am. How long are you going to be here? Hey, I replied to a sexy ass, smiling and licking my lips. Child, I don't know. I'm thinking for a few hours. Well, it's going to be $30 because there's an event going on. Just that quickly, I became pissed. $30? I spat back at him. Now, young man, you and I both know that's a ripoff. What kind of event's going on? Some concert over in Millennium Park, he said nonchalantly. Although I was angry as hell, I just went ahead and dug in my pocketbook, pulled my wallet out, and handed the young fine-ass nigga two $20 bills. I took a quick scan of him as he fiddled with some notepad in his hand. Looking down at his jeans, I saw his fat, long dick resting on the side of his leg. Baby, that dick looked like a Coca-Cola bottle up in his jeans. I had no idea how old this boy was, but he was probably pushing 25 at the minimum. Okay, here's your receipt, and place this sticker in the window. He replied, but as I looked up, I instantly gasped. Some old, ugly-ass white man with craters all up in his face was extending his hand out to me. Who are you? Where'd that other boy go? Excuse me? The old-ass white man said, looking confused. What, young man? I've been standing here the entire time. No, no, there was a young black man who was just standing here. No, ma'am. No black man works for this parking garage. Is everything okay? Not saying anything back to him, I just yanked the receipt and decal out of his hand, rolled the car window up, and then drove through the gate. Oh, Lord, my mom was playing tricks on me again. But perhaps because I was so horny, I was just imagining folks. Then again, I was deluding myself. I was getting a tad scared again because obviously that young man wasn't real. My heart thumped with anxiety, and something deep down inside of me told me that I really needed to slow my roll and check into a hospital as soon as possible. But I quickly deadened that dreadful thought as I didn't want to deal with these damn doctors anymore. They were the worst. The absolute worst. So, after burying the anxiety in the back of my mind, ignoring the possibility that something truly was wrong with me, I slowly drove up the ramp leading me to the second floor of the garage. God damn, I grumbled when I kept seeing each park that I was occupied. This entire garage was parked to the brim. 
Now making my way up to the third floor, I continued driving until finally I found a spot all the way towards the back. But to my luck, I noticed that spot was close to the elevator. Thank God, because I noticed earlier my hip was a bit sore, and if I planned on getting some dick tonight, I couldn't fuck with no damn stairs. I needed all the strength in my ass and hip must take a good pounding. I pulled into the spot, and for a second, I just sat back and closed my eyes. I began to drift off, hoping that these hallucinations and voices were truly over. Lord, please bring me through this fire, I prayed, rubbing the side of my head. Just as I was about to turn the car engine off, my cell phone began ringing. My phone was connected to my Bluetooth system in my car, so I instantly saw Sade's phone number flashing across the screen. Just then and there, I became sad all over again. Damn, it just totally slipped my mind that Alice was gone. I didn't know how I managed to forget about everything that had just happened. But I guess because I was so stressed about my own situation, I just totally forgot about Alice. Oh Lord, what in the world was I doing right now? I should have been over at Alice's house helping Chardin and the rest of the family with funeral arrangements. The phone kept ringing and a part of me contemplated whether or not I should answer. I truly needed some nasty sex just to get my mind off of things. All this happening was just too much for me. Just as I was about to ignore the phone call and get out the car, guilt instantly slapped me in the face. I hit the answer button on the steering wheel. Oh, Chardet girl, I've been meaning to call you. How you holding up? I was just out and about running errands and whatnot. Hey, Miss Vernita, I was just calling to check up on you because I hadn't heard or talked to you in a while. Is everything okay? She asked. I suddenly became confused. Wait, what are you talking about? I just saw you a few days ago. Miss Vernita, we haven't talked in a while. It's been a few months. What are you talking about? Charday, I know you're going through it. It's going to be all right. God is still in control. Miss Vernita, I'm so confused right now. I have no idea what you're talking about. Charday, Alice is in a better place. Know that for sure. She was a praying woman and she loved the Lord. I know it's hard, baby, but she's looking down on us right now. Believe that. Do you pray? I know Mama's looking down on us, Miss Vernita. And yes, I pray. Do you need me to come over and help you all out with the funeral arrangements? Who got the body? I don't want my friend going to any old okie doke funeral home. Some of these people put too much makeup on the body. Damn shame. Have folks looking like they in a circus or something. Oh, and what church did Alice belong to? Because some of these churches don't do people right. Oh no. Miss Vernita, is everything okay? Charday, why do you keep asking me that? I'm fine. Are you okay? I'm fine, Miss Vernita, but... But why do you keep asking about Mama? She's been dead for years, Miss Vernita. What are you talking about? Girl, stop playing with me. Alice just died. Miss Vernita, I think you might be losing your memory. Mama's been dead for nearly five years. What? Yes, Miss Vernita. My mouth dropped. Staring off at nothing in particular, I was trying my hardest to register the words the Chardet just dropped on me, but my mind began to go blank. I didn't know what else to think at this point. I couldn't even formulate the words. I, um, I gotta go, Charday. I got errands to run. I'm fine, I'm fine. Ain't nothing wrong with me. You just take care of yourself, child. Miss Vernita, do you want me to come by and help you out? It seems like you might need some help around the house. Have you been going to the doctors? 
Alice just died. Why you mess with me? She just died. I yelled out as tears dripped down my cheeks. I started to get really nervous, and then as I tried my hardest to ponder over what Charday was saying, it was starting to make sense. Oh, Lord. Alice had been dead. Her funeral was years ago. This entire time, I had been having full-on conversations with her, and she really wasn't even there. Now that I thought about it, all the memories I had of her were all jumbled together. Hell, I didn't even know what the past or the present was. Okay, Miss Fernita, just calm down. You don't sound too well. Let me come by and help you out. It might take me some time, but I can be there in two hours. I just gotta let Lamar and the kids know. What are you talking about, Charday? Lamar? You messing around with your mama's boyfriend? No, Miss Vernita. Lamar's my husband. Remember? You were even at our wedding on the cruise. Remember? I could see my brother over there to check up on you. I could hear Charday cry as she continued to plead with me that I needed help. Why was she messing with me? I just knew I wasn't dreaming up none of this mess. I think she was fucking with me. I just knew it. I may have been hearing things and seeing folks, but all this right here had to be some joke. But then again, maybe it wasn't. Oh, Lord. I looked at myself in my rearview mirror. Lord, I was ill. I was really losing my mind. Now silent, I just sat in my seat, thinking hard about everything. Oh, Lord. I was losing my mind. Oh, Lordy. Lord, Lord, Lord. Make it go away. Make it all go away. They coming after me. Who the fuck? What? Miss Bernita, just make it home safely. I'm going to be there soon, Charday begged. She started talking to what had to be her children in the background. I started to feel very nauseous, and this wave of forgetfulness began to drown me out. I could hear Charday keep talking to me, but at this point, her words were all sounding like mumbo-jumbo. Okay, I'm going to go now, dear. I ain't feeling too well, I told Charday, and then hung up the phone. I sat back in the car for a second just to gather my thoughts. Everything was so confusing. I looked in the mirror and for a second I didn't even recognize my own damn self. I didn't even know my own name. In fact, I didn't even know where I was even at. Why was I here? Why was I in this parking garage and not back at home? In the days, I didn't know what to do next. I was getting terrified. I took a glance of myself once more in the rearview mirror, but I instantly gasped when I saw my deceased mother in the back seat. Mama? I shook my head and closed my eyes, and then I looked again. She was gone. Oh, how I miss my mother, and my father, and even Clarence. Child, I was ready to go home to be with the Lord. Tears swelled in my eyes as I shook off the thought of dying. Okay, child, I need to get home. But I don't even know how to drive this here automobile. I fiddled with the keys in the ignition and just as I was about to pull out the parking spot, my phone began ringing. Just like that, I snapped back into reality and I knew exactly where I was at. I started off and tried to recollect where I was again just to be sure. I was in downtown, just about to go out and drink and meet up with somebody. My name is Vernita. Vernita Ernestine Washington. I was born on May 26, 1943 at St. Luke's Hospital on the south side of Chicago. Okay, maybe it was just that medicine making me forget who I was. It had to be. I didn't have no damn Parkinson's or Alzheimer's. It had to be the tumor. 
My phone kept ringing. Oh, hell, I grunted out when I once again caught myself in a daze. I stared over at the car radio's console screen and saw Mr. Kilpatrick's name flashing. How in the hell did his nosy ass even get my phone number? I didn't even talk to that man like that. Then again, I must have given it to him. The phone kept ringing and ringing, and I sure as hell didn't want to answer the phone, let alone be bothered by him. But the phone kept ringing. He was adamant. I hit the answer button on my steering wheel. Hello? Vernita, where are you? Mr. Kilpatrick, how'd you get my phone number? Vernita, the cops were at your place again. A bunch of them. They found three bodies in your basement. The cops are looking for you. Bodies? What? What are you talking about, Mr. Kilpatrick? Stop playing with me. I don't like these games y'all playing on me. First Charter and now you. Y'all making me really upset. Vernita, please calm down. Please. The cops are all over the place. Where are you? He screamed into the phone. I can't take this shit no more. I swear I can't. My mind was beginning to see flashbacks to my life. Everything was all jumbled together once more and then I drew blank. I got out the car and just began to aimlessly roam around the dimly lit parking garage. Okay. On the one hand, she might have Alzheimer's, and that's never funny. On the other hand, where the fuck did all this shit come from? I know that the thing about the bodies has to be a, a, a blur or a dream or whatever, because that cop was just in her basement and didn't find shit, except for somehow a bloody laptop. This whole thing is just getting messy in a whole different kind of way. It's messy like it doesn't... I'm sure it makes sense. Her mind is going and we're seeing what's inside of her. So she's having visions. We're having visions. But I don't like having visions. When I read a book, I want it to be pretty straightforward. And when I read Old Thought Next Door Part 1, it was very straightforward. She didn't have none of this shit going on. But now all of a sudden it turns out that she might have had all this shit going on the whole entire time. And yeah. Okay. Chapter 15. Detective Mike Colvin. It was almost close to six when I finally made my way to Lisa's apartment. After I left Miss Washington's apartment, I jetted straight home and threw on the nicest outfit I could scrounge up without needing to iron. I was tired as fuck, but gassed up on knowing that I had what I knew to be this final puzzle piece in putting everything together with Miss Washington. That old bitch was going down for sure. I sent her a text and told her I was outside, ready to pick her up for our date tonight. Some moments later, I saw her come rushing through the front door of her apartment building. My mouth flung wide open when I realized she was dressed like she was about to go to the fucking mayor's ball or some shit. Damn. I felt kind of bad because it was obvious she'd never been to a really nice restaurant before. Clad in this very revealing red dress, I had it in me to tell her that she was a tad overdressed. Lisa stayed over in Washington Park, which wasn't too far away from my crib over in Woodline. Although this part of the south side was a bit safer compared to other parts, Washington Park definitely had its rough spots. And unfortunately, Lisa and her kids stayed in the roughest. Once she hit the sidewalk, she took deliberate steps towards my car. I could see she had on some tall pumps and one misstep would have had her collapsing to the ground. I got out of the car and then opened the passenger door for her. You look nice, I said smiling as I helped her in. I took a quick glance at her hand and noticed she had the bracelet on her wrist. Damn, now I started to feel bad. Oh wow, really? 
she said. Why do you have that smirk on your face? Am I overdressed or something? Nah, not really, I lied. The last thing I wanted to do was make her feel out of place, and then we'd have to possibly waste another hour for her to find a more appropriate outfit. Fuck it. Yeah, Ruth's Chris was a nice restaurant, but it damn sure wasn't some fancy smancy place. I seen plenty of hood niggas whining down at that place. Who the fuck? Wait, where? Bitch, where? You a liar? You a sack of shit liar. Ruth's Chris is expensive as fuck. Ruth's Chris is one of the places where they don't even put the fucking prices on the menu. That's how expensive Ruth's Chris is. Ruth's Chris sells everything a la carte. And you literally, if you're asking how much something costs, their answer is you don't belong here. Ruth's Chris, you've seen a lot of hood niggas eating there. You better get the fuck out of my face with that bullshit. Ruth's Chris is not cheap. Hold on one second. I'm about to find their fucking menu. You full of all the shit. Steaks and chops, because that's what it is. It's a steak place, and they make good steak, but for a ribeye, a 16-ounce motherfucking ribeye at Ruth's Chris, they don't give you the goddamn price. I'm not joking. They don't want to give you the price because the shit costs so goddamn much. This ain't, this, you a whole lot of hood niggas eating at Ruth's Chris. You better eat my ass. Ain't nobody, nobody, nobody eating at Ruth's Chris. Cheap. A ribeye at Ruth's Chris costs 62 fucking dollars. It doesn't come with nothing else. It's just a steak. A New York strip costs 57 bucks. A porterhouse costs $105. And you see, you, you see hood niggas eating there. Sizzling crab cakes cost 35 bucks. You see hood niggas eating there. Get the fuck out of my face. A goddamn stuffed chicken breast costs $36. the fuck out of my face with that bullshit. I don't even know. Man, I've been to Ruth Chris once and I felt faint. Get the fuck out of my face. Hood niggas eat there. Man. And if they were eating there, you know where they were eating? At the bar during happy hour with somebody else paying for them. Like they mama. Because that's how I ate. My mama took me, you son of a bitch. I got back over to the driver's side, hopped in the car, and began to put my seatbelt on. Oh my God, I meant to tell you, but I looked up Ruth's Chris, and that place is so nice. I ain't never had a man take me here before. You're truly different, Lisa commented as she stared at herself in the visor mirror, making some adjustments to her glued-in lashes. Honestly, I was a bit underdressed. I had on a pair of jeans, a polo, and some basic-ass black dress shoes. Damn. So you really never been there before, I asked, feeling kind of bad that in all the years she's been dealing with the niggas in her life, none of those clowns ever took her to a nice restaurant. Is a Uchi Waller is a one mic. It's either a nice restaurant or it's a restaurant the hood niggas can go to all the time. No, I haven't, but I'm glad you're the first, though, she said, smiling back at me. She leaned over and began planting kisses up and down my face and neck. I looked at her, and then both of us began to make out like two horny-ass high schoolers. Now my dick was starting to get hard, and a part of me wanted to just scrap this date night, take her back to my place, and finish what we started earlier. Damn, baby, you making dick so hard right now. That's what you named your dick? You named your dick Dick. I'm not even going to say that's a typo. It probably is, but I'm going to keep it there because I don't like you. You named your dick Dick. You dumb motherfucker. 
I moaned as I ran my hand between her thighs. Yeah? Well, feed me and I'll fuck your brains out, she laughed. Oh, for sure, I laughed back. We continued to make out and I didn't even give a fuck that we were out on a side street where a bunch of people could have been observing us. Just as I was about to pull back and take off, my cell phone began vibrating in my pocket. I wanted to ignore it and keep making out with Lisa, but I just had the urge to answer my phone. Then you didn't really want to ignore it. Your job comes first. You've told us that a million times. Don't play. Sorry, I quickly apologized when I pulled away from her and snatched the phone out of my pocket. When I saw it was a lieutenant calling me, I knew I had no other choice but to answer. As I swiped right to answer the call and before I could greet the boss, I heard him screaming, Colvin, where the fuck are you at? Sir? Colvin, you need to get your ass down to this old lady's house right fucking now. I gulped. Fuck. I just had a feeling I was in trouble. But how and why? Sir, what happened? Three bodies, Colvin. Three. All in Miss Washington's basement. Get down here right now. I don't care where you're at and what you're doing, but you need to get down here ASAP. What? My eyes exploded with surprise and terror. Sir, say that again? Yes, you heard me motherfucking right. Three fucking bodies. Just get your ass down here right now. Where are you at? I'm right around the corner. Over in Washington Park. I was about... I don't care what you were about to do. Get here now. I looked over at Lisa. She had a look of disappointment etched on her face. Okay, I'm on my way. I told the lieutenant and then hung up the phone. You know what, Mike? Fuck it. I'm done with you. She growled and quickly snatched a bracelet off her wrist and then threw it at me. I'm sorry, Lisa. I yelled out. Nigga, whatever. She said, shaking her head. And don't buy the next bitch some cheap-ass jewelry. Fucking clown. And your dick is little, too. She spat as she quickly opened the car door and rushed out, making her way back inside her apartment building. Although Miss Washington's townhouse was literally a six-minute ride right around the corner from Lisa's apartment building, it seemed like she lived an hour away. Time was slowed down. My mind was completely empty. How in the hell did I miss three bodies? What the fuck? I had a million questions swimming through my mind. I was trying so hard to piece everything together, but I couldn't. Nothing was making sense. At all. Yeah, like, how the fuck did everybody get back there when the lieutenant was telling you to close the fucking case just a little bit ago? Why? If you didn't see three bodies, then who called that in? I pulled down the block near Miss Washington's townhouse and was completely stunned to see half the damn force was out and about. There was at least 50 cruisers parked down the block. Half of Hyde Park's residents were on the street as well. I got closer and parked near a deli. I hopped out and noticed that everyone literally had looks of curiosity painted on their faces. Walking closer to the row of townhouses, I noticed some unmarked brown vehicles were parked off to the side. That had to be the feds. I approached a group of officers, ones who I had recognized from being here earlier in the day. They were standing guard in the intersection of the street. The entire area had literally been roped off. Once again, there's the man of the hour, one of the officers said to me. Where's Lieutenant at? I asked as I kept my eyes glued to the townhouse. He's inside, the officer, some tall, lanky white dude uttered. I didn't know his name. He was a regular beat officer. Taking my time, I strolled over to the entrance of the driveway. Although by now it was getting darker, nothing but blue light emanating from all the patrol cars illuminated the entire block. Nodger bubbled within me as I took cautious, deliberate steps out the driveway. 
I looked over to my right and saw Mr. Kilpatrick talking to some other officers. He was crying like he just found out his wife had been murdered or something. All this shit was so surreal. Just as I was about to walk through the townhouse door, Jake and the lieutenant just so happened to be walking out. There he fucking is, Lieutenant growled, shaking his head out of disgust. Let's have a conversation in private, Detective Colvin. I looked at Jake and he just lowered and shook his head as he walked away not saying anything. God damn it, what in the fuck did he tell the lieutenant? Boss and I walked over to his squad car and got in. Once the lieutenant slammed his car door shut, he looked over at me and asked, Why were you here earlier? Sir? I gulped. Just answer the fucking question. Why were you over here, detective? You were supposed to be off. I gave you explicit instructions to take your crazy ass home. You closed out a case and you were supposed to be off for a week. Why were you here using department resource for your own private investigative purposes? Sir, I already told you that this case wasn't a done deal. I know this isn't what you want to hear, but I don't say another fucking word, you fucking ableist slur. I'm not saying, motherfucker, lieutenant interrupted. You think you can solve every fucking thing, but you can't. You don't know shit. Sir, please let me explain. Don't explain shit to me, he interrupted again. I got three badly decomposed bodies found in this woman's house. And worst of all, you were seen coming in and out of this woman's place when you were supposed to be at home. I want to believe you don't have shit to do with those bodies, but now you got internal affair all over my shit and your shit now. Are you fucking stupid? If there are three decomposed bodies, then obviously he didn't do anything to them today. What the fuck? I don't even I don't even like the fact that I had to say that. Like, that's common sense. I don't even like standing up for Colvin. Fuck all y'all motherfuckers. Sir. Detective. Get the fuck out of my car and stay far away from the station for the next two weeks. You're suspended pending an investigation. But, sir. And don't try and contact nobody. Not even your lousy ass partner. Truth be told, I should have you and Candace fired for fucking on the job. I immediately went silent. Sir, please. Yeah, you didn't think I knew about your violation of our fraternation policy, huh? Please, sir, if you would just let me explain. I begged, but by the look on his face, I knew I couldn't say shit else at this point. Get out! He barked, pointing towards the door. With nothing else to say at this point, I followed the lieutenant's stern instruction and got out of his squad car. Fuck this fucking job, I grumbled to myself, shaking my head. I quickly made my way through the thick crowd. A few officers tried to start a conversation with me, but I didn't want to hear shit. I kept my eyes laser focused on the sidewalk as I headed back over to my car. I hopped in and sped home within 15 minutes. Once I parked on the side street, I popped the car trunk open, grabbed Mr. Washington's laptop, and swiftly made my way inside my building. So, he still has a laptop. He never delivered it to anybody, so why are they there? What happened? Once I got inside my building, I stormed over to my desk and sat Miss Washington's bloody laptop on my desk. Then it hit me. Fuck! I didn't have the charge for the laptop. I flipped the computer open and tried to power it on, but the laptop was completely dead. Fuck! God damn it! I couldn't just let her get away with this shit. She's literally not. Like, you could just let this go. Because if there's 50 police cars outside of her house, she's clearly not getting away with anything. If they know that there's three bodies somehow that materialized in the house you didn't even see, she ain't going nowhere. Why don't you just sit your happy ass down and drink a beer? Try and buy some real jewelry for somebody and be a good person for once. But nope, I bet you ain't. 
I had no idea why those bodies were discovered, let alone where Miss Washington was at. But all I knew was her ass was guilty than a motherfucker and needed to be strapped to an electric chair ASAP. Those last two weeks have felt like two months. Time moves slower than molasses oozing down a tree. I spent most of my days locked up in my bedroom catching up on some much needed sleep. Hell, there wasn't even anything else for me to do but sleep. Lisa wasn't fucking with me no more. No one from the station was returning my phone calls. Even Jake wasn't talking to me. The only person I managed to talk to was my daughter, but our brief 15-minute conversation didn't even go over well. Today, however, I was hoping to get some reprieve. I got a phone call from the lieutenant earlier telling me that today I was scheduled to have a meeting with our unit commander along with the commander from internal affairs. I was nervous as shit because it sounded like this was the end of my running homicide. As much as I was dreading this awful meeting, I was actually relieved because a transfer out of the department was probably what I needed in this particular juncture in my life. The lieutenant didn't give me much input on the exact nature of the meeting, but all he told me to do was make sure I dressed as if my job depended on it. So that being said, as I stood in my bathroom mirror, I scanned my black suit jacket making sure I didn't have a single trace of lint on it. I adjusted my maroon tie making sure I had it tied correctly. I couldn't even remember the last time I put on a tie. I checked myself one last time in the mirror and then made my way out of the apartment to my car. Some 20 minutes later, I arrived at the station, ready to get this shit over with. As I made my way out of the car, I threw on some sunglasses, adjusted my suit, and slowly walked through the parking lot, already envisioning a future in traffic enforcement. It was a somewhat warm Wednesday afternoon and the heat beaming from the sun was making my underarms sweat profusely. This was exactly why I hated dressing up in professional attire. Shit was very uncomfortable. I didn't understand how other detectives and other higher-ups dressed this way all the time. My meeting with the lieutenant, the unit commander, along with internal affairs, was scheduled to start in five minutes over in the east wing of the building where the internal affairs division was located. I strolled into the office and made my way over to the conference room. I walked inside and was immediately hit with the presence of everyone. Good morning, gentlemen. I greeted them and then tightened my lips. Have a seat, detective, Commander Orwell replied back enthusiastically with this joker-like smile. He was an older white man, probably in his early 60s. Everything about him was tight. His face, his stiff hair, the weird slits he had for eyes, even his posture. Everything about him reeked asshole and I knew he was going to tear me a new one. I glanced over at the lieutenant along with our unit commander, Commander Jenkins. Of course he's one of the Jenkins boys. They didn't say shit to me. Both men, two stern-looking brothers, just gave me a menacing stare. That was my cue to not say shit else. Sit the fuck down and let the bullshit begin. As soon as I sat down, Commander Jenkins, a nigga who almost reminded me of Denzel Washington, cleared his throat and said, Detective Colvin, we brought you in because we want to discuss a number of things, principally your future with the Chicago Police Department. This is another reason why Commander Orwell from Internal Affairs is here. I understand, sir. I replied somewhat nervous. Good. I'm glad you do, Commander Jenkins said. But before we get started, we wanted to give you some updates into the situation with Miss Washington and the three bodies discovered in her residence. I'm glad to hear. Is she a lead suspect? I asked. No. Not at all, Detective Colvin. And for that reason, this is why you're here. You broke a number of laws and department protocols. One of them being using department resources to conduct your own outside investigation. An investigation that netted absolutely nothing of value, he continued. In your absence, 
The rest of our law-abiding police detectives, along with the assistance of the FBI, conducted some very awesome investigative work. And in an hour, we're announcing that we have a suspect, actually several, in our investigation. Although I couldn't see myself, my face fell flat and the anxiety I already had in me was now turned up to level 10. Detective, the suspect in your original investigation, Percival Andrews, I understand you were convinced that he was an innocent man, and that Miss Washington, who unfortunately now is hospitalized and whose health is rapidly declining, must have killed him. Do I understand this correctly? I didn't like where any of this was going, and this motherfucker was already drawing up several conclusions that I hadn't even arrived at. Sir, I had an inkling that Miss Washington wasn't telling the full truth about what happened that night that she alleged that Mr. Andrews physically assaulted and raped her. I would have further pursued the case based on several details, but... I looked over at Lieutenant, but my superior officer informed me that I needed to close the case out. And yes, I admit that I overstepped my boundaries, but I was getting closer to the truth. Well, with all due respect, Detective, you are far from the truth. Mr. Andrews, along with his longtime partner and confidant, Markel Jacobs, were part of a large burglary ring. And unfortunately, they took advantage of Miss Washington. How? I was confused. Were you aware that Miss Washington had recently been diagnosed with a severe neurological complication? No. No, I wasn't aware. Yes. Miss Washington suffers from stage 3 dementia. She had no real relationship with Mr. Andrews other than the fact that he'd check on her from time to time while he and others took advantage of her. She also suffers from severe hallucinations. Family friends would come and check on her from time to time, but for the most part, Miss Washington had no idea what was going on behind her back. She's a completely innocent victim in all of this. I'm confused, sir. She seemed very lucid to me when I spoke to her. How did her condition just suddenly deteriorate? Detective, let me make this very clear. Miss Washington has nothing to do with what I'm about to tell you. The three bodies found in her basement were also associates of Mr. Andrews and Mr. Jacobs. Rodessa and Ricky Clark were a married couple. They were a well-known drug traffickers from the Memphis area and have recently moved to Chicago some years ago. Also, another associate of theirs, Juan Gonzalez, was part of this burglary ring. Mr. Juan, okay. We were able to use forensics to ID all these bodies, luckily. Mr. Gonzalez used a moving company to stake out houses. We've also arrested several individuals associated with the moving company. As for our lead suspect, Mr. Jacobs, the FBI apprehended him in Atlanta. He's on his way back to Chicago as we speak, Commander Jenkins explained. Wow, I... I'm shocked. I just don't know what to say, I replied. I was stunned. I didn't see any of this coming. I just... I was just at a loss for words. So I assume then that this case is closed, I asked. Yes, this case is officially closed. Great work done, of course, by our law-abiding homicide detectives, Commander Orwell replied. And on that note, we need to segue this conversation to your future with the Chicago Police Department, Detective Colvin. Can we please have your badge and gun? My mouth flung wide open. Why? Because effective today, you're being terminated from Chicago Police Department, uttered Commander Orwell. And you're also ineligible to receive your pension. Just count yourself lucky that you aren't sitting in a jail cell. Okay, so Mr. Juan and the two neighbors that she was 
talking to where she wanted to fuck uh, the husband were actually drug traffickers that Percy had killed and put in her basement. I'm only being quiet because I'm side-eyeing my book, my computer, my hand, my cup of water, my phone, my microphone, the fucking books behind my computer, the wall, the window. Tell me if I'm wrong. Like, if I'm wrong and this is actually some intelligent-ass writing, just let me know right now. Just, 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 just hit me up on Twitter. DM me. If this is good writing, let me know, and I'll gladly shut the fuck up, but right now, I'm just... To quote Galvatron, this is bad comedy. (sighs) 916-633-1537-RatchetandRatchet.gmail.com Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Leave a review on Podchaser, uh, Apple, Stitcher. Patreon.com backslash single simulcast. Buy me a coffee uh, slash SSCast. I think I don't fucking know. I don't. This book's making me sleepy. How did her health deteriorate that quickly? Like, has she been envisioning this whole thing? So it was like everything that happened to her in that first book, just fantasy. You know what? We'll probably find out in the next chapter. We probably will. At least Detective Colvin is no longer Detective Colvin. Now it's just Mike. <laughs> That's what you get. Thank you so much for listening. I greatly do appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace. and outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know my name,